Man, who is excited to hear more about how you fit into the body of Christ and find your place? Um, I, like Noah was saying, you, you belong here. You have a specific place. Um, and we are going through a series on spiritual gifts. And the goal is to help you find where you belong and how you fit into our church and Big C Church, the, the worldwide church, um, and how he has purposefully gifted you to fill that place. What is that? Fill that place, right? Um, so like I said, our series is called Spiritual Gifts. And we are starting off talking about the fivefold or the apest gift. Um, gifts, and those are found in Ephesians 4, verse 11. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, if we continue reading through Ephesians 4 um, up until verse 16, it it talks about this purpose that these gifts um, were given us for, that Christ had a a reason to give them. He didn't just like, hey, everybody, it's a holiday. Everybody gets a gift. He's like, no, there's there's a reason for this, and there's a purpose, and that is to build the church and to grow us to some supernatural unity and maturity as a church so that we will be found healthy, that we'll be found growing, and that we'll be found full of love. And so... As we're talking about these gifts, keep that in mind that there's, there's a purpose that we are, are using them for, and it's not specifically for yourself. It's for this body to grow and to be found healthy, that people would walk into this community and find us healthy, that they would find us growing, and that they would find us full of love. Um, now, I do believe that each one of us have one of these five um, gifts as a main motivator in our life. You probably have bits and pieces of them all because they, you are gifted them and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and that's the same Spirit inside each of us. So, yes, you'll have a, a mix and a thing, but there's probably one that motivates you more. And um, so, as we are going through the series, currently we're taking one a week and uh, digging in deeper into what it means. And um, I sent out a test multiple times now, an assessment thing to, to figure out what gifts you guys have. Can I see who has taken that test? Ah, oh, that's a lot better. That was a lot more hands than last week. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Um, I do want to talk about that just a little bit before we move on. Uh, I have noticed that some of you are taking the test multiple, multiple times. And that's cool. I, I see, like, sure, you know, you're like, mm, God, I don't think this is right. You know, and like, can I be something else? And maybe... Maybe this isn't, well, I, you know, I, I bet if I thought through these questions harder, I didn't really answer them truthfully the first time. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, whatever your reason is, yeah, just don't. You know, um, but I, I, honestly, like if you dig into all personality tests or any of those type of assessment tests, they say the first time you do it is going to be the most true and honest because you didn't know where it was going as you were taking it. And every time you take a test after that assessment of any sort, you are subconsciously and consciously probably changing answers to shape and form the results to what you want them to be. But let me tell you, that doesn't actually change you, right? It doesn't. It, you can change the test, but it doesn't actually change who you really are. Okay, so just, you don't need to take it multiple times. Take that first test that you had in and just understand it. And also understand that it is also just a tool to point us in a direction, all right? The test is not God, actually. Um, so it doesn't really like, matter what the test says directly. You know, it, it is, is a helpful tool to help point you in a direction that you probably are gifted in. Now, you may not be your number one result. You know, it just matter that day or how you were feeling and things. So that's the importance of reading through those descriptions, um, and listening to our messages on this on Sunday to really understand, is that me or is it not me? 
But you also have to be really honest with yourself. Because you can definitely read some of those and go, that's who I want to be, you know, so I'm probably that, you know, and you're probably not that, you know. And um, if you, you're reading things and you're like, oh, that's probably who you are. Um, because it's kind of sometimes hard to accept who God created us to be because we see all these other gifts and we see everybody else doing all these things and often we just want what that person is doing and want what they have. And that is not going to help us grow as a body. We need you to be you, right? So some of you, like I said, you maybe were disappointed, you weren't something else or you want that other gift and maybe you feel you have some of those things from other gifts and you probably do, um, but be honest with you are. Be honest with that for the best result. No one can be the best you that you can be. So don't waste your time trying to be something that you're not. All right? It's as simple as that. It's not worth it. You'll never grow in a gift you weren't gifted in. Because God has gifted you to be you, and we need that. Also, when you're looking at, like, everybody posting their results, which is awesome. Thank you guys for posting and sharing. Um, it's really helpful for us. Um, as a whole body to know who's who and what's going on. Um, but realize that the percentages are not grades. Like if you are 60% something, you're not a D pastor, okay? You're just like, that, that's not what that means. That's just, you know, an average number that they're using. And if somebody else's highest is like 90% pastor and your, your highest was 70% pastor, it does not mean that they are 20% better a pastor than you, okay? That's not what that means, all right? What matters is just the order of the scores, okay? So don't sit and compare numbers together. Don't listen to Dee Dee ever. Um, but no, I just can't. <laughs> um, it just means that they took the test differently than you because we are all different. Even two people gifted in the same gift are going to be gifted in a different way because of the rest of your personality and how God created you. You are unique. You are individual, but we are still gifted because Christ said these five gifts are what's needed to build my church, and he handed them out. So with that said, let's get into this, this week's gift. Last week we talked about pastor. If you weren't here and you missed that, um, I, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Um, it's going to be really important as we try and move forward as a church to really understand your gifting and really understand other people's giftings. So don't, also, you know, you might come and go, ah, oh, teacher, I didn't get a teacher as a thing. I don't want to listen to that. But listen to it because we need to understand these roles, and you, especially as we grow, like understanding these roles to be able, when you meet new people, help them find their place is going to be really helpful, but also to understand how to communicate with each other, understand why someone might say something that offends you be just because they're different than you and they won't necessarily find what they said offensive or vice versa. It just comes from understanding each other. So um, this, late, this week we're focusing on the teacher. Raise your hand if your high score was teacher. I think we have a couple people here today. Yeah, nice. Somebody back there, I think, too. Um, so keep that in mind. You're like, I need to be taught something. Go talk to these people and, uh, you know, bring it up in like a sneaky way that like makes them want to dig into it. Have you ever heard of blah, 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 blah? I don't think it's real, you know, and then instantly they'll dive in and start learning about it. And then you meet them next week and you say, you know, have you looked into that at all? And I'm sure they'll just pour it all out to you because that's what a teacher is, right? Shepherds and teepers, teepers, teachers have a lot of similarities, um, so last week, maybe you're a teacher gifted and you were hearing last week and you're like, oh, some of the, that feels like me. Maybe that's who I am. And that's because this gift overlaps in how they relate to people, right? The goal in both the shepherd and the teacher is to mature the people around them and help them become stable. 
Teachers, um, you know, we, we see them often in a group setting like this, but they also really prefer one-on-one because then they could, you know, really dial in how they're going to teach this person and make it more unique to the individual. Um, teachers help the church get rooted and um, stabilized by focusing on what is true and teaching that truth and giving us deep roots through that. Um, unlike shepherds last week, they, they help stabilize the church um, emotionally and experientially by helping them kind of accept all of life that's happening around them, and that helps them be more rooted. But the teacher comes in and says, this is the whys, and this is how and the why we do these things that help you get really rooted in your place. Um, so, like I said, some of you teachers might have felt like last week kind of fit you some, but also didn't feel right, and that's probably why. So the teacher is the enlightener of truth. There are two sides to being a teacher, learning and communicating. You're able to digest and grasp and process multiple sources of information at once. In fact, you're probably some sort of knowledge guru, a person of the sciences, um, possibly the library being your best friend or Amazon Kindle app if you don't actually go to a library. Um, You want, or Audible, you know, because that's, people just listen to books these days, I guess. Um, Right, you, you want to master the topics you engage into. You don't want to just know like a surface level. You want to know all of it. Um, you can reduce incredibly complex topics down to bite-sized ideas that the average person can understand. Yet your greatest challenge to, is to stay relevant to those who don't have the same levels of understanding you sometimes unknowingly have. Right? As humans in today's world, we have some negative preconceptions of teachers, right? We're like, oh, teacher, they got to be so boring and dry. They're lecturers, they're monotone, you know, Bueller. Um, no, but, right, like that's kind of what we have an idea. When you think teacher, you think of like the worst teacher you had in school and you're like, oh, no, I don't, I don't want that. And that's because, you know, you spent a good chunk of your life sitting before people who took the title teacher who may not have actually been gifted teachers, Some of them were probably more information dump trucks that just like, here you go, and here it is, and you had to try and like sort all that as it was just being dumped on you, and it wasn't presented to you in a way that you were able to grasp, and so now you hear teacher, and you're just like, "Mm, man, I don't like that, but gifted teachers still tend to be more meticulous and methodical. They... um, they're probably a little less free-flowing and creative because they're about information, about learning the facts. They're about the mind. Um, and if you're a teacher, you want to make sure you have the, the correct information and that you're 100% like, yep, this is what it is, before you talk about it because you don't want to bring something false so you're, you're pretty cautious and you're very particular about what's right and what's wrong. Now, Ephesians 4, gifted teacher, they're not usually dry and dull. Um, Because the Holy Spirit empowers them in their gift, they should become captivating. They're revelatory. You know, you you hear them and you're like, whoa, I've never thought that before. Um, Eye-opening, right? They're not just here to equip and encourage, but here to inspire. And they inspire us to live the will um, and according to the word of God. And so if you sat before a real teacher, you've probably left with that feeling before. That gifted teacher, you just walk out going, wow. That was, that was great. I didn't even feel, realize I sat there for that long. Man, that was awesome. Um, teachers will vary greatly in personality and style. They're not just gifted to all develop one style and give that way. And there's no one set way to communicate well. Um, but you will know you've been communicated well with when you're before a teacher because you walk away with understanding something new. The piece of the heart that teachers represent is the mind. In Hebrew, in American culture, Western culture, we kind of separate heart has 
emotions and soul and all those things. And then we think our mind is our brain. But really in Hebrew, they're like, that's all in the heart. When you read about it, it literally encompasses all of those things. And uh, so the mind is what teachers focus on as part of the heart. Teachers are anointed by God to impart understanding, to enrich our understanding of God so that we can know him better. So four ways that you can tell someone or you yourself as an Ephesians 4 gifted teacher. Teachers, number one, teachers have a passion to know the truth. Right? They're motivated by some general desire to learn and understand everything, really, but especially the truth of God's word. Um, they're often more educated. They're the lifelong learners, the naturally gifted intellectuals. Those type of stuff are usually teachers. They love to dig deep and spend time in the harder parts of scripture or on harder topics. You know, they're often in that you know, circle that's talking about really deep religious things and using the biggest terms they know and can find um, because that's what they like. And um, that's where you would find them in maybe like a circle of, at the church. They tend to be more informational than experiential. They know it in their heads more than like they know it in their hearts in a way. You know, I'm not saying that they don't have Jesus in their hearts or anything. Um, but because to them, it's about the knowledge more than it is about the experiences of life. Um, they're usually not caught up in, you know, the new revelation type of things that's coming out, but more in what do we already have and how can we use that? Um, and because of that, they really balance out prophets and apostles, which we'll talk about more later, but teachers are needed to bring us to balance. Like I said, teachers by nature, they learn to love. Love to learn, learn to love, love to learn. I don't know, they're doing both. They're teachers, Right. They could spend the rest of their life in school. If you know a teacher, they're probably always considering like, you know, I could probably go back and get another degree in something, you know, and, or wanting to learn something more. One of my favorite math teachers, um, and I say it like, I was decent at math, but math was not my favorite subject in school, but one of my favorite teachers was a math teacher, Mr. Hudeck, because he just loved to teach. And he lit up when he got in front of us and was teaching us all about numbers on the whiteboard. And he was just so good at it. But on one of his walls, I picture he has 15 different degrees from 15 different colleges. And he was still like, he was like four years away from retirement, I believe. And he was still in school because he was like, I just love learning. There's always so much more to learn. And uh, it, teaching just flew out of him. If a teacher isn't in school, they're usually in a book or listening to a book or multiple books, and they're probably considering how they can get back into school in some way. Education and knowledge are held pretty highly in the mind and, we could say, the heart of a gifted teacher. But understand that knowledge is not the most important thing. Loving God and others is. As a teacher, you have to be careful to not raise knowledge and beliefs above the action of loving others. 1 Corinthians 8.1 is kind of your cautionary verse. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Right? The gifts were given us to build the church. Not to puff the church up, not to puff yourself up. is to build the church. Right? I was listening to a teaching on this and uh, the guy said, he says, God has never been impressed with a man's intelligence. Right, because even like the smartest thing that we could be is still so low in intelligence to everything that God is. But God can be moved by our love for others, by our obedience, and by our faith. You know, there's that phrase that says, I don't care what you know, show me how you love others. 
right? We have to, as a teacher, you have to keep those type of things in mind. The purpose of your knowledge is to build people up. Um, the second thing is teachers have a passion to interpret the truth, not just to know it, but to interpret it. Teachers should um, always consider scripture in light of the other scripture. They're constantly doing this. Um, they have a desire to know the whole counsel of the word, the word of God, right? If a teacher is talking to you, you often probably hear them going down kind of one rabbit trail of knowledge and things, and then they'll say, but I also know that the scripture says this on this side, and then I'll, they'll be over here, and there's like, so somehow it's kind of somewhere in the middle of all these things because they really study the whole of things. And good teaching and good teachers bring us to balance because they want to bring the whole word of God into it. Right? We have to be careful in following teachers um, and making sure they're bringing in this wholehearted dedication to scripture and in their teaching because really heresy and teaching of heresy happens when they become really passionate about a truth. Again, it's, it's true what they're passionate about, but if they begin to ignore other truths and just run down this one rabbit hole, that there might be leading you away from Scripture more than leading you to it if they focus only on one truth and they're not bringing you back to some sort of balance. Matthew 13, 15, Jesus is talking. He says, Then he added, Every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. Right? They're not afraid of new things and they're willing to learn and understand and they bring them along with the old. They have both things. They're not just passionate about one thing and leaving everything else behind. They bring both together. Uh, as a teacher, make sure you understand that as you're learning something to read and research all the sides. You know, it, it gets really exciting about one. Spend your time. Get, I know you're going to want to really understand it, but then step back from that and go, okay, what does the other side believe? And dig into that so that it helps keep you in balance in your teaching and in your knowledge. The third thing is that teachers have a passion to convey truth. They want to impart truth into other people. In other words, to teach, right? But some people believe they're teachers, but really they just enjoy some part of it, whether it being in front of people. Maybe you like to talk. I'm sure that's why I'm here. Um, they, they like having authority. Maybe they just like the attention of people. If you are only there for like some part of it, you might be a different gifted. You might be an evangelist or a prophet or something else. You might not be a teacher, right? And it's really not up to a teacher to know if they're gifted in that. It's really up to the hearers, right? If the hearers walk away not understanding your teaching, you might not be a teacher, right? And, but of course, there, there's still time of learning skills and learning your gift and getting comfortable. And in our church, especially in hopefully the whole church, there's grace, to learn and understand your gift and to find your place. So if you're like, I think I'm a teacher and you get up to teach and you just bomb it because you're nervous, we're not like, no, nope, not teacher, get out of here. You know, um, we're not going to do that to you because we want people to, to find their place. But it's the purpose of why we need to build each other up in our gifts. Um, in this note, all of us Christians are called to teach. Right? This is why you should be listening to this because in a way, we're all called to do all the things of each gift and the abilities that we can. A teacher is going to do it on levels beyond non-teachers, but we're all called to teach. The Great Commission from Jesus to all believers found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, 
and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right? We're all caught, um, told there to teach the new disciples to obey all the commands we were given. Right? There's this command for all believers to teach. You know, and so people without the gift of teacher can still usually take what we've heard and pass it on to others in kind of like a, a form of storytelling, right? Um, we're not ne- necessarily taking those complex ideas and breaking them down and bringing them simple. We're just repeating the things we've been taught and, we've been her- and that we've heard. And so we need teachers to teach us so that we can pass these things on. Um, teachers gifted teachers, they can gain understanding and they can impart it. They make the complex, th- complex things simple for us to understand. Teachers are able to construct arguments because of this in a way that's effective to help people to understand things better. Um, you're naturally gifted like this. Kind of think a lawyer in a way that they can construct an argument to get people to their side. In a way, that's what you do as a teacher. You take these ideas that we're not able to grasp, and you're able to build an argument or a teaching that gets us to come along with you so that we walk away on your side. Um, But just like, you know, a, a lawyer in this case, a good lawyer doesn't need good facts to win a case, right? Even a bad lawyer can win a case with good facts, right? But a good lawyer can take bad and missing facts and make a winning argument. And as a teacher, you can kind of do the same. You're gifted in a way to construct things to get people to your side, and you have to be really careful when you're bringing a teaching that you really aren't just pulling people to your side when you don't actually know 100% if it's there. Um, as I've talked about last week, that I, I am a gifted um, Ephesians 4 apostle, and so I, I can work in the, all the different gifts in a way, and we'll get into that more later, but... Um, so in a way, I can operate as a teacher because that's in me as well. And I operated kind of on this negative side a lot as a, a teenager. Um, rather than admitting I was wrong in discussions, I would just readjust my argument to get people to my side so that they were wrong and I walk away knowing I was right. But they didn't know that. And um, so it led to, like in my math class, like I'd be like trying to teach somebody something and I realized I was wrong. And uh, instead of telling them, hey, I'm wrong, I would just continue to teach them till they thought they understood it. Then I would go past the test and they would fail. And then they would look at me. I'm like, I don't know. You must have lost somewhere. And, you know, I tell you what I knew. I was very confident in that, you know. And, but those very things leads to a lot of the, the evil that we've found in the world um, as teachers getting up and dragging people their side because of the arguments that they can bring. Many bright minds in the history of the church have misconstrued the Bible. To keep people in darkness, they continue to teach these well-constructed arguments. Um, They write books, they do all their teachings and stuff to keep people on their one side. It's why we have so many different denominations. It's why we have all these differences between churches um, because often somebody's kind of caught in what they believe and they're just trying to keep people there. And somebody goes, hey, actually, you know, that's not all in scripture or not. And then they kind of get shoved out of that church because they don't believe the same thing and they start another denomination or another group of churches. Think, you know, Martin Luther and his 95 thesis, they nailed on the door and started a whole another um, direction of the church because they were teaching something that was not 100% biblical, but were keeping people in that because of their well-constructed arguments. Things like the Crusades, the structure of maybe the Catholic Church or infant baptism or many cults um, and many traditions of denominations are not scripturally based. 
But along the way, teachers have made good arguments for their case, and they've kept people kind of in that darkness. And so um, need to be aware of that. You know, teachers are really good at teaching. That's their, their gift. And they might pull you to something that's not 100% true. So that's another reason for us as everybody to understand the Bible, to read it and dig into it so that we can say, well, I didn't really think that fits into this and, and be able to grow together. Um, at the same time as all that unhealthy stuff, good, healthy teachers have brought so much good to the church. Like I, like I said about Martin Luther, without him, we wouldn't have us today. We would still be a church kind of lost in the darkness and... Um, those type of things have really helped grow the church and further it. So again, we still need teachers. And the fourth thing is teachers have a passion to apply the truth. Teachers are not content with things just staying in the realm of theory or talk. They wanted to move to actual application, right? Moses taught this in Deuteronomy's, um, Deuteronomy 32, 45 through 47. It says, when Moses had finished reciting all the words to the people of Israel, he added, take to heart, all the words of warning I've given you today, pass them on as a command to your children so that they will obey every word of these instructions. These instructions are not empty words, but they are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land you occupy when you cross the Jordan River. Right? Teachers have a passion to see what they have um, taught be acted out in people's lives. The best compliment that you can give to a teacher is putting their teachings into practice. Jesus, after his first big teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, he left it with that same challenge in Matthew 7, 24. It says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. In verse 28 through 29, just a few verses later, it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law, because Jesus taught empowered by the Holy Spirit. When a gifted teacher conveys truth to us, teaches us, and we apply it to our lives, the kingdom of God is extended. So let's look at a couple more biblical applications of a teacher, um, dig a bit deeper. In the, the Greek word for teacher is didaskalos, something like that. Um, but it means the one who teaches concerning the things of God and the duties of man. Yeah, don't. I was going to not make a joke about duty, Victoria, and you just brought it up. Um, all right. The things of man, right? These teachers were recognized authorities in the interpretation of Scripture. It was a title, in a way, similar to rabbi, that people, when they were said that they were didiskalos, when they were the teacher, people understood, like, these people really know the Word of God, and I can sit back and I can listen to their teaching. Um, they used it kind of interchangeably with rabbi with master and different things. It was um, in Matthew 23, 8, it said, Jesus is talking. It says, don't let anyone call you rabbi for you, only have, for you have only one teacher. In other words, rabbi and teacher are similar and teacher is didaskalos and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. There's a good little reminder in there for you teachers that though you might have more knowledge, you might have more intelligence, you're still on the same level as the rest of us because your gift is for building us all up. Jesus, a couple verses later, Matthew 23, 11 through 12, says this. says, the greatest among you must be a servant. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So keep that in mind, just because you might be greater in what you can understand and know. You're only really as great as the person who understands you the least. 
The same word for teacher was translated as master, referencing Jesus 40 times, right? He might just be like the best example of a teacher. He probably is the best example of a teacher that we have in scripture. And we should look and at his teachings and how he taught to learn as teachers. In Job 36, 22, it says, look, God is all powerful. Who is a teacher like him? Right? Just as the shepherd gift that God is the great shepherd, he's also the greatest teacher. God is our most perfect example. Teachers, look to God. Listen to the Spirit. Let him be, the Holy Spirit, be your counselor and your teacher as you go through life. Um, let it lead you as you're digging into the word and your studies and things. In the book of Exodus, Moses, he's leading hundreds of thousands of people out of um, slavery from Egypt. And he's basically their only leader. And uh, Moses' father-in-law sits down with Moses and offers him a word of advice. Exodus 18, 18 through 20. says, you are going to wear yourself out. And the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice and may God be with you. You should continue to be the, people, the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions and show them how to conduct their lives. Right? Teachers and other leaders, you cannot do it alone. You might have all the knowledge, but to build the church, you need all of us. And so we need you to spread it out. We need you to teach us, to give us what you know, and to show us what you know. It comes natural for you to teach, to give, and to show. In the book of Nehemiah, He's leading people back from exile um, from Jerusalem. They had been away from their homeland, away from the word of God for a long time, and they didn't know the law of God anymore. And he leads them back to their city. They're rebuilding things. They come across the, the word of God, the law, and he starts reading it. And he says, everybody needs to know this. So in chapter 8, verses 7 through 8, we find this really important thing that they did. Um, verse 7 says, the Levites, with all those specific names, right, then instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. They read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people to understand each passage. Right? They just broke everybody up into all these groups and they sat there and they taught them the word of God and they didn't just read it, but they helped them to understand and they explained it when they didn't. And because of that, look at their response in verse 9. It says, Then Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Right, teachers, you have a gift that the understanding you can bring out of the word of God and into the people around you will stir them. It will move them. Whether it might move them to weeping or might move them to joy, it might encourage them or inspire them to, to put into action the words that they hear. That's what a real gifted teacher should do. In the New Testament, we find Jesus saying this in John 13, 13. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. Right? We've already talked a little bit about how great a teacher Jesus was, and um, just him himself saying, I am a good teacher. I, I, he's probably the only way he can get away with that, still somehow be humble and not prideful. Um, but dig into how Jesus taught, and it'll change the way that you teach the people around you. Right? We find that the early church recognized that this was a gifting, and they put teachers into place. Acts 13.1 says, Among the prophets and teachers at the church of Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manian, and, and Saul. The people that they declared these people were teachers. 
In Acts 18, 24 through 25, it says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. Like that. It must have been what a gifted teacher like it. I want people to describe the gifted teachers in our church with those words. Oh, they're enthusiastic. They're good speakers, and they do it with accuracy. Like all three of those things, that's big points. In James 3.1, we find this caution for teaching. It says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Right? We're all commanded, right, as said by Jesus in the Great Commission to teach our disciples, those people that we are trying to raise up. Um, but that that word for teach in the Great Commission is not the didescalos teacher word. It's a more common word, about, like literally referencing storytelling. They're like, you can tell your disciples stories. You know, the information you have, pass that on. But then here, Paul is giving a warning to didescalos teachers, the gifted teachers that like understand the, the level that you need to teach at that being cautious about what you're giving. And a gifted teacher is cautious, naturally. They want to make sure that they fully understand what they're coming up to give. Um, Ron being a one that's gifted teacher, there's multiple times like, Ron, why don't you talk about this? And he's like, oh, I just don't know if I'm ready yet. You know, because he's like, I've only read like 20 books on it. You know, and I just <laughs> don't know if I understand it. You know, that like 100 hours I spent watching teachers online, like they all said some different stuff. I'm not sure if I'm there, you know? And I'm like, you know more about it than anybody I know. <laughs> um, but they, they seriously take on this idea of teaching and wanting to bring the right information and the importance of the word of God. So let's talk about the work of a teacher in the church or in our body of Christ, right? Like I said, teachers are for rooting the church. Um, they give us teachings that allow us to grasp the whys, and that allows us to dig roots. It gives us buy-in when we can understand why we're supposed to be doing these things or why we believe that. Then we're like, oh, this makes sense. Now I can root myself in it, right? Teachers assist in the transformation of renewing the mind. We talked about this a few weeks back about building those proper structures inside of our mind that will lead us to better life. Like Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Good, sound teaching will transform the way we think and move us away from structures that our minds build because of the customs and behaviors of the world around us and into the structures that God has created us for. Right? These teachers equip everyone in the church to hunger for, to interpret, and to apply and convey God's words themselves. Hebrews 5, 12, the author is talking to a church and he says, you have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you the basic things ab about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. But if the Great Commission requires all of us to be able to teach, then we need to be taught well so that we are equipped to teach those people around us. If you find yourself more often than not needing to point people to somebody else when they ask a question, you know, and you're constantly like, somebody asks you something, you're like, well, I don't know, but let's go talk to so-and-so. Um, maybe you need to spend some more time around a teacher and get those things into you. And because uh, we should all be able to teach these basic things of Christianity, not just knowing where to point people to. 
right? Don't just come on Sundays. Join in on Wednesday night Bible study. Start your own Bible study on a topic that you want to know more about um, and find a teacher to help you do that. Um, get into Instay. Instay is a great tool for understanding biblical basis things, those basic things that we can then communicate to the people around us. I think everyone should get into our Instay Bible classes and take at least the first level, the first four books, and um, have that biblical foundation so that you can express those basics to the people that you're raising up. Um, speaking of, we're starting a new class come August, so um, get that on your calendar, you know, different things, start saving up your money so that you can hop into that class. It's not too expensive, and it's definitely worth it, um, so just keep that in mind. At the end of summer, we're starting um, the next class. And while gifted teachers are definitely called to know and to understand and to teach, it does not take away all of our responsibility to know, to understand, and to teach on a smaller scale. Teachers also keep us in sound doctrine. 2 Timothy 4.3, it says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and they will look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Like, if you've ever walked away offended by a message you heard from a teacher, like obviously you understood it and you walked away offended, it might have been something that you needed to hear. Because this is, to me, this verse is saying, sound doctrine is, sound doctrine is not always something your ears want to hear. Think of Jesus' teachings. He drew these giant crowds that would travel from like hours and days walking to come and hear his teachings. And he would start out his teachings with like, one day you will eat my body and drink my blood. Like, nobody wants to hear that, right? And they were just like, I think we found the wrong Jesus, you know? And there's, like, these posters were inaccurate. No, I don't know. Um, but Jesus did not give them what their itching ears were wanting to hear because he was more interested in teaching the truth. And you will find that with teachers. The writer and speaker R.T. Kendall said, the dearth or the lack of solid teaching in the church reveals that the body of Christ needs more than a good experience. It needs good theology, and that's what teachers bring, right? We need a balance between all these gifts. Churches led by a teacher will be focused on intelligence and knowledge and sometimes miss the experience of God. But vice versa, if a, a church is only led by a prophet or a pastor, it's going to be caught up in the experiences of life and not always caught up in the truth. And we need the balance. That's why we have all the gifts, so before we close, we're going to talk healthy and unhealthy. What does a healthy teacher look like and an unhealthy teacher? Healthy teachers want to share their knowledge and make sure that you understand it. They are enlightening others, right? They're helping people to understand, to gain wisdom, and be able to grasp the complexities of the truth. They don't just throw knowledge and go, oh, sorry, you're not on my level. I guess you don't understand. They want a healthy one to say, oh, let's take some time. Let's dig deeper. I want you to understand why, because I'm here for you to be rooted, Unhealthy teachers on one side, on the side of ignoring their gift, will tend to hide. Um, not physically, but because they don't think people will grasp the truth, grasp the knowledge that they have, they'll just stay in the background. And they won't speak up truth. They won't speak out what they know because they're like, oh, I don't know if people are going to understand it. Some also might be hiding because at some point, knowingly or unknowingly, they have taught something false. And they cannot bring themselves out of hiding and into repentance and forgiveness. Maybe they did something like the lawyer situation we talked about and admit that they were wrong, which can actually lead to the other side of unhealthiness. 
on the other side of unhealthy um, for teachers, where they hoard their gift, where they accept it and embrace it, but they're not sharing it, they can become judgmental or arrogant because no one else knows what I know. Nobody else understands like I understand. I've read all of these things, and you guys are not on my level. You've never read anything. You know, and all this stuff like, oh, I read these people and those people. I've sat before this. I have these degrees and, and all these things, and they become puffed up. But again, that's unhealthy because that's not building the church. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Without love for others, just as in pastors, you have to love people with truth and love correctly. On the pastoral side, for teachers without love guiding you to teach, you'll probably end up in both of one of those unhealthy situations, probably both of them back and forth, right? Instead of loving on someone by bringing them truth and understanding, you instead hide back and you're not loving them by allowing them to run off the deep end, right? So you avoid teaching because you're not loving them. But on the other side, maybe you love yourself too much and you're not loving the other people around you, so you're just keeping all of your knowledge and you're purposely speaking over their heads to keep yourself above them. Right? We need to come down. We need to humble ourselves and understand that your greatness is dependent on those that you're teaching. And if they don't understand, then you're lower than them. It always comes back to love, right? That was, that was the purpose of building the church so that we become full of love. So where do we need you specifically within our church? Well, in that building metaphor, if we're building, you know, something, we talked about pastors last week, you know, they're, they're cutting the wood, they're shaping the blocks so that they fit into the right place in the church because they're getting them to experience all of life and able to go, all right, I see, see what you're doing and they can get them into the right place. Then a teacher comes along and they're the, the anchors or the, the, the sealant or whatever that, gets them anchored in their place. The pastor says, yeah, this I think would be a good fit for you. Then the teacher comes along with, you know, a big screw and just gets them, you know, grounded into their place or, you know, seals the cracks around them to help them fit fully into the place that they go and understand the why and root them there. So teachers, we need you teaching truth. We need you teaching us the whys behind what we're doing and why we believe these things. Right? This can be in Bible studies. This could be, you know, from the pulpit. This can be from instay or other, um, you know, other studies we're doing. But also one-on-one, right? Taking people out to coffee or over to your house and just sitting and saying, hey, how can I help you understand where you belong and why? We need you teachers teaching all of us to be teachers, like the Great Commission called us to be, so that we have the right information in a simple way that we can understand, that we can pass on to somebody else, right? Um, The mark of a good teacher is that their student is able to teach somebody else, right? It's not just that they fully understand, it's that understanding and applying it. And so if, if you're a teacher, we need to see that it's being duplicated and replicated throughout our church, And then we need you as a teacher raising up other teachers, sharing what you've learned and how you do what you do. And that often just means taking another teacher gift alongside you as you're learning, as you're walking through life and saying, okay, this is how we do this stuff. Uh, Because, so we talked last week, the the pastoral gift is probably the most widespread. It'll be the most common gift we have within our church. And so you're not going to find a lot of other teachers or probably a lot of other prophets or evangelists within the church and you're going to go, well, nobody's here to really pour into me. And so I'm going to 
fast forward real quick. At the very end, we're going to talk about apostles. And like I've said, apostles are gifted with the ability to do kind of all of the gifts in some amount. And so there may not be another teacher or another evangelist or something for you to connect with, but there are apostles that have that same ability to help teach or to help you understand being a prophet or being those things because they can move in those ways as well. So don't feel like, ah, we're all left all alone here. You know, there is other people um, here that will be able to help out. And so right now, you know, if you're a teacher or we're going through these, just really work on understanding yourself. Um, At the very end of this, after we get through all five, we're going to talk about, okay, how do now we take all of those things and put them into practice to build the church together? Um, And so that'll be more where we'll focus on seeing who's what and um, understanding how then we work side by side. All right, but I'm really excited about this. I don't know if you can tell. um, All right, let's pray. Man, Jesus, I'm just so excited about these gifts, Lord. You know, I feel like Christmas morning coming down, like, oh, look at all these gifts that Jesus has given us. And, uh, you know, I already know what's inside the box, but some of us don't fully understand it yet. And we're opening and we're getting excited to see who you've created us to be and how this gift inside of us is meant to work, Lord. That's kind of like, oh, I got this awesome gift. God, I don't really know what it works. I'm excited to read this instruction manual. I hope there's a video, Um, you know, and to really help me understand God, I pray that you would come and that you would empower the teachers in our church to stand up and speak the truth. God, that you would give them that, um, I know, Holy Spirit, you would just guide and direct them into all truth as it says you do in Scripture, God. God, as they open your word and as they start to dig into who you are, God, that you would lead them and guide them to bring balance to us, Lord, to, to pull us into that, the, the rootedness to understanding the whys, that you would begin to solidify this church into place um, and and to help us grow, because you can't grow tall without deep roots growing down, God. God, would you help us to be solidified by our teachers in here? Would you give us all that desire to understand more? God, would you really lead us, God, into deeper studies, um, even on our own, but with each other? that you would guide our conversations so that we are digging more into the whys and the understanding so that we're more solidified. God, I thank you for the teachers that you've given us, Lord. Raise them up. God, would you give people to come alongside them, God, and gift them um, to understand their gifts more. God, we thank you for these gifts. God, I want to see our church, you know, to that level that we are mature, that we are unified, that we are growing and that, we'll fo- that we are full of love. In your name we pray, amen. Go be teachers of Jesus today.